in many ways. Moses was a picture or a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's just no question about that in many ways. This evening, I just want to deal with two of them. Number one, Moses was himself the appointed deliverer of a people held in captivity. Now, since we know God doesn't make any new decrees, he doesn't make any new determinations, since all things were ordered and ordained before the world began, that means that in old eternity, God purposed everything that would ever happen. And he did it eternally. And by that I mean, he, for our sakes, the scripture speaks of a covenant of grace and maybe in our own minds, we kind of understand it this way, okay? He chose a Savior, and then he chose, he chose to save. He chose a Savior. He chose the people he was going to save. He ordained all things. And in our own minds, we have to break that down into things that happen separately. And at some point in God's eternity... But really, the covenant of grace and all the decrees that God made have always been and always shall be in Christ Jesus, and they are like God forever. They're eternal. There wasn't, there wasn't any time where God said, I'm going to love these people. As long as God has been God, that's how long He's loved us. There wasn't a time when God said, I'm going to choose this vast number of people to be the recipients of my grace. As long as God has been God, we've always been the chosen of God. Now, we, we can't grasp that. I know we can't. It's an impossibility. Because we're people who are bound by time. But God is not. And all of his decrees, what we might call all of his decisions, all of his purposes, they are as old and as ancient as God is. And I know when we begin to talk about God's predestination and God's election, people say, oh, that's that primitive doctrine. Indeed it is. It is very primitive. It's as primitive as God Himself, the great eternal one. Before the Lord made the world, He ordained that He would choose, and He did choose, one nation out of all the nations of the earth through whom he would manifest himself to whom he would give his word, his law, his gospel, and through whom he would send his only begotten, 
only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world. He chose that nation. Now, people can argue with that. They can fuss about that. But the Lord said, you only, you only have I chosen the nation of Israel. Well, so that's not, somebody says, that's not fair to all the rest of the nations of the earth. Well, it's fair because God did it. God's the sovereign ruler of all things. All nations belong to Him, and if He chooses to deal with one nation above other nations, that's His business. He said, I'm the potter, and you're the clay. In like manner, God chose another nation, but this is a spiritual nation. This is a spiritual people. But they're nevertheless real. He chose them not out of one nation, but He chose them out of every nation, some out of every nation and kindred and tribe and tongue across the face of the earth of those who would live in this world before the world began. He did this. And he ordained that those people, that massive group of people, a multitude, John said, which no man can number, God ordained and he purposed and indeed he said it this way, they will be mine. They are mine. I've loved them with an everlasting love and I'm going to send my, my son to pay their sin debt to redeem them from the curse of the law. And I will send my spirit to teach them the gospel. I will send somebody who will be my mouthpiece to declare unto them my righteousness, my justice, my holiness, my grace, and my salvation. God ordained all that. And again, people can charge God foolishly and say that's not fair, and many people do. But again, God says, shall not I do what I will with my own? All of mankind belongs to God. It's His business if He wants to save some and leave others to their just condemnation. And I say to you and me who believe and love the gospel of God's grace, who believe and love and worship the Lord Jesus, our Savior, our King, our substitute, God's sacrifice, I say to you and I say to me, oh, let us be thankful that God set His love on us. We're no different by nature from anybody else, from any other son and daughter of Adam. But God made a distinction. And He made it before the foundation of the world. So as Moses was chosen by God to be the deliverer, the one to lead Israel, that, that nation held in Egyptian captivity... For over 400 years, as God ordained Moses to be raised up, preserved, kept, instructed, 
And then God sent him forth with power to lead the children of Israel right up to the promised land out of Egyptian bondage. So our God ordained his son to be our savior and to lead us out of our captivity. You know, I know the Egyptians were cruel taskmasters. We know that because we've read that. But I'll tell you, the cruelest taskmaster of all is God's law. The thing of it is, though, it's fair. See, the Egyptian taskmasters, they weren't fair. They weren't just. But God's holy law is, Be ye perfect, for I am perfect, God's law says. But our Lord sent somebody to redeem us from the curse of that cruel taskmaster. (laughs) And how did he do that? By bearing the curse himself. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. You remember in Stephen's message in Acts 7, and I have brought this out to you before. When Moses went out, and we just read, I just read to you how he went out to, uh, thinking that, you know, he, when he killed this Egyptian, he thought the, the Israelites would say, boy, good job. <laughs> We're thankful for you. And as we read Stephen's message over in Acts chapter 7, he thought, Moses thought, that they would receive him. Because he was sent to be the deliverer. Moses knew his mission. He knew his mission before the Israelites knew. Right? Before they knew, all they, all they were aware of was that this man made an appearance. He's been, he's been in the house of Pharaoh's daughter, hobnobbing, hobnobbing with the rich and the famous for all these years. And now all of a sudden he makes an appearance. They didn't know what he was all about. They didn't know his mission. And I'm going to show you next Wednesday night how that Moses, when he went to them, he thought, he thought they would readily receive him. And he was anxious. He was anxious. He was, he was very much determined. Let's get on with this. But it wasn't time for their deliverance. He was like chomping at the bit. But see, all things happen according to God's purpose and in God's time. Was it time then, right here in chapter 2, is this the time for their freedom, for their exodus, for God to demonstrate His awesome power over Pharaoh and the Egyptians? Is it the right time now for Moses to lead them out of captivity? And the answer is... Not yet. Not yet, Moses. 
You're the deliverer. no question about that. But the deliverance is not going to come now. You're 40 years too early. <laughs> you got some things you got to learn. It's like a young preacher. Boy, feels the call to the ministry. Just, I got to get out there. I got to get out there. No, not yet. Got a lot of things to learn yet. That's Moses. But he knew his mission. He knew he was the deliverer. And I'll tell you what, when our Lord Jesus Christ came to this world, he knew what his mission was. I don't know whether you remember or not, whether you paid any attention to it or not. If you didn't pay any attention, you were you're at no great loss for not having paid any attention. Back in, I think it was 2016, oh, Hollywood decided to make a movie, The Young Messiah. And I think they portray Jesus as being seven or eight, nine years old, something like that. I mean, I just read about it. I, I don't watch that trash. But uh, they presented him as one who didn't know who he was and didn't know what he was here for. And I was reading today, just kind of refresh my mind. Internet's a vast <laughs> source of information, isn't it? And I was reading about that movie, and in the movie, Joseph and Mary are in a quandary in that movie as to whether to tell him who he really is, to tell him about his virgin birth, and to tell him the reason why he was in the world, whether to tell him or not. Listen to me. That's heresy. Our Lord Jesus has always known who he is and what he came to do. He knew what his mission was. He knew his own identity. He said, I am. Several times he said, I am. He told the Jews before Abraham was, I am. He knew he's the word of God. He's God fully told out. And he knew he was flesh and blood. He knew he was born of a virgin. Why, he ordained all of that. He knew the scriptures. Why was he so well versed in the scriptures? The Old Testament. This is his Old Testament. His spirit inspired holy men of God to write all of the word of God. Forty men were used of God to write the scriptures over a period of 1,500 years. And every word that they wrote, they wrote to, because the Godhead ordained it to be written that way. He knew exactly who he was. He knew who the scriptures were all about. He knew his purpose for being here. He said, the Son of Man is come. How did he come? God sent him. He has come to seek. To seek who? The lost. And to save. To save who? His people. 
To save them from what? His, their sins. How would he do that? The Son of Man must lay down his life in the stead of his people. He knew all about that. He wrote the articles of redemption and salvation. He wrote the Lamb's book of life back in eternity. He's well aware of everything that's going on. He knew he was the deliverer. But just like in the same sense now, I mean, obviously no type or picture is perfect. After all, how can, how can finite things truly typify the infinite God? So in the Word of God, there are, multi- there are multiple things and places and people who picture and, and typify the Lord Jesus Christ. And to get, to get a picture of Him, you have to consider all of them because no one finite being can even begin to truly set forth the glories of our Savior. Our Lord Jesus knew who he was. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He knew very well who he was and he knew he's the deliverer. He said, all that the Father giveth me, they shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I came down here to this earth to do my Father's will. And he said, this is the will of him that sent me, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing. But raise them all up at the last day. That doesn't sound like somebody who doesn't know his purpose in coming to this world. Why am I here? Why, that's heresy. He knew perfectly well while he was here. Turn to Matthew 26. Let me just give you a couple of verses here, a couple of passages. Look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 47. Matthew 26, 47. Let me read a little bit to you here. You remember our Lord had taken Peter, James, and John, taken them aside. He said, you stay here and pray. I'm going to go a little bit further. And they kept falling asleep. Well, he says in verse 46, Rise, it's time to get up, brethren. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves and from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. They thought they were going to take an unwilling captive 
our Lord is willing and desirous to go die the death appointed for him in order to save us from our sins. They didn't have to hold him fast. Actually, he held them fast. <laughs> he held them to the very purpose that he ordained from the world foundation of the world. Look to verse 49. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master! And kissed him. Somebody said he kissed the door to heaven and went to hell. Verse 50, And Jesus said unto him, Watch this, he called him friend. Wherefore art thou come? And they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. Simon Peter's one who did that, cut off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. And said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. He, and another passage tells us he bent over and picked up a man's ear and just reattached it to his head. You'd think that'd be enough for the soldiers and all of them to say, I don't want to mess with this man. <laughs> I saw that ear laying on the ground. I saw his, the blood coming out. And he just reattached it. I don't want anything to do with this man. But the, you cannot measure the vileness of the human heart and how set people are in their ways against the sovereign Christ. He continued, he said, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. Sometimes the song is sung, he could have called 10,000 angels. Beautiful song. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he didn't. He suffered by himself. Watch this, verse 54. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be. Does that sound like somebody who doesn't know what his purpose is in being here? And in that same hour, continue reading 55, said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I said daily with you teaching in the temple. You, you laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Our Savior knew all of these things that were happening was the unfolding of the eternal purpose of God predicted and prophesied in the Old Testament. His Old Testament. He knew he was the deliverer. He knew the scriptures. And he knew the scriptures testified of him. 
And then let me just kind of jump to the second point. Not only did our Lord, was our Lord pictured by Moses being the promised deliverer, but Moses, secondly, is in a land where he was a stranger and he married a heathen bride. Go back over there to Exodus 2. Let me, let me show you a little something here. <clears throat> he married Zipporah. Now, just a few questions. Number one, where was Moses when he married Zipporah? Well, he was in Midian. That's where Zipporah was. You see, God had ordained that Moses marry Zipporah. But Moses lived in Egypt. Well, how in the world is Moses going to wind up in a stretch of the Arabian Peninsula a desert, a deserted part of it, a virtual wilderness part of it, how is he going to wind up there so that he, the purpose of God in him marrying Zipporah will be fulfilled? Well, God worked things out to where Moses leaves the palace and goes out into Midian, a wilderness area. How did God work it out for Christ to come and save us? He had to leave his palace. Do you know that song, Out of the Ivory Palaces? That's a pretty song too. That's in our songbook. Into a world of woe. Moses turned his back on Egypt. He left the palace he goes out into the wilderness. Our Lord Jesus left His eternal palace in glory to come down here to this spiritual desert and wilderness to save us. Midian was mostly desert, and it means a place of contention and strife. And when our Lord came to this world, He certainly met up with a lot of contention and strife. He was opposed. He was rejected. He was unwelcomed. He came to a spiritual desert And he wasn't understood and he wasn't appreciated. Oh, when our Lord Jesus began his public ministry, well, they thought, Israel thought, this is the Messiah who's come to set up a, a, a new kingdom in Jerusalem. He's going to establish Israel as the dominant world power again. Oh, the glory days are back. That wasn't why he came. And when they found out that wasn't why he came, everybody who was anybody in religion turned thumbs down on him. I 
our Lord came to this desert. Secondly, when was it that Moses found his bride? It was during his time of rejection. Israel had rejected Moses, so he leaves. He goes out in the desert. His time of rejection. When did our Lord come to seek and save his people? During a time of rejection. Nobody wanted it. Save or accept for just a few folks in Israel who looked for Messiah. But they all hated him. As soon as he was born, right from the beginning of his earthly existence, Herod tried to kill him. When the wise men came and he said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? And Herod said, what? I'm the only king around here. <laughs> and he was, he was absolutely determined to kill him. Even if it meant killing every baby in Israel. He'd kill all the male babies to get one to kill the Savior. To kill that one whom he considered a rival king. Thirdly, where did Moses find his bride? Look here in chapter 2, verse 22. Moses, he's married Zipporah, and she bare him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. I'm in a strange land. That's where Christ found us. In a strange land. That's where he found his bride, his church, his chosen people. In this world, in this world of trouble. Not trouble among ourselves, but we were in trouble with God. With God's authority. Who did Moses have trouble with? He had trouble with Pharaoh Pharaoh hated him. He had trouble with the authority. And when our Lord Jesus Christ came, it was the authorities, especially who despised him. They're going to put him out of business. Moses was sent to deliver Israel out of cruel bondage. Christ came to deliver his spiritual Israel out of the bondage of the law. But we were found in this strange land. <laughs> and then, let me say this. Zipporah had two sons by Moses. Turn over to chapter 18. I'll give you this and I'll quit. Exodus chapter 18. So Moses found his bride in a desert place. Christ found us in a land wherein there was no water. 
but he made us thirsty to drink the water of life. And then he showed us that he's the water of life. And with joy we came to the wells of salvation. And we drank of that living water over and over and over again. Well, we're coming back for a cool drink tonight, aren't we? Back years ago, I was growing up in Rocky Mount, Virginia. We had a couple in the church there, and they had a, a spring. I tell you, we'd go over there and get water. Running out of a mountain, it tapped back in there and kind of put a pipe in. You could just stop by and fill up a, a bucket or whatever. Started saying jug. Well, we did have jug. We didn't have plastic jugs like they had today. And drink that cool mountain water. Man, that's good. Christ is the cool, refreshing water of life. Drink and drink again and be refreshed. Isn't the gospel refreshing? <laughs> Does you good. <laughs> Well, Zipporah had two sons. Let me read this. Chapter 18, verses uh, 2 through 4. Now Jethro, same as Rule, also he's known as Hobab. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, stranger, Foreigner, that's what we are. And we're still foreigners in the world, aren't we? We're still strangers in the world. Now, what did John say at 1 John? The world knows us not because it knew him not. They didn't know who Christ was. They don't know who we are. They don't understand what we're all about. I preached that bunch, crowd, crowd of people there Saturday. Most of them, they don't, they didn't, they don't get it. And no. And obviously not interested in knowing. We're strangers in this world. People don't un understand us. They don't, they don't know the language of grace. We speak a different language, don't we? Christ only, grace only, faith only. They don't understand it. Scriptures only. It's a foreign language. So we're, we're like Gershom. We're strangers. That's, that's what his name means. And Moses said, I've been an alien of a strange land. You want to talk about aliens? <laughs> that's us. <laughs> we're aliens in this world. And, but look at this. And the name of the other one was Eliezer. Now, you know what that means? God is our helper. God is our helper. Oh, we're strangers, all right. But we have an all-sufficient and all-powerful helper. <laughs> and that's our Lord. Where did our Lord find his bride? Right here in this sin-cursed world. He came down here and redeemed us. He sends his gospel forth. And that gospel has a way of finding every lost sheep. 
That's why he said, my sheep hear my voice. They hear the gospel of redeeming grace and then their ears perk up and say, what was that? What was that? Never heard that before. (laughs) And then they find themselves believing this gospel. Yeah, Moses was a deliverer. The people didn't know who who he was, what he was all about. But he was, and our Savior came as the deliverer. He came as the Savior. They didn't know what he was all about. But we do. He saved us. And he found himself a bride in this world. And we're wedded to him. And what God has joined together, nobody's going to put it asunder. Let's get our songbook. We'll sing one last song here.